cooking something up with me. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for being with us on Midday Today, a beloved holiday tradition since 2016, the What You Got Cooking pre-Thanksgiving special here on the program. Thursday will mark the fourth Thanksgiving with COVID hovering over the table, although it's hovering a little more distantly than in years past. Our mission here on Midday is simple. We've got two wonderful chefs at your disposal to share recipes and tips and help make your Thanksgiving dinner a delicious and memorable affair. Chef Damien Mosley is the creative force behind Black Sauce Kitchen, which you can find at the Waverly Farmer's Market and at their storefront on 29th Street in Remington. Happy Thanksgiving, Damien. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. And John Shields is with me here in Studio A. He's a chef and the proprietor of Gertrude's Chesapeake Kitchen at the Baltimore Museum of Art. His latest book is The New Chesapeake Kitchen. He's also the founder of Common Table. John, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Tom. And as we do every year on the day before the big day, we'll check in with my mom a little bit later to find out what she's making for Thanksgiving, which she will spend with one of my brothers in Virginia Beach. So, what do you love about Thanksgiving? We would love to hear about it. What are your family's food traditions? Which of the six million ways to make cranberry sauce will you choose tomorrow? And who's coming to your place or whose place are you going to? So let's talk and let's share with each other the things that we love about Thanksgiving, culinary or otherwise. Give us a call, 410-662-8780, our email midday at WIPR. Dot org. We'd love to hear about your Thanksgiving memories. We'd like to hear about your Thanksgiving plans. What's your table going to look like? How many are you having? What are you making? You making any funky, interesting, new, uh, out-of-the-ordinary sides? How are you going to do your turkey? There's a thousand different ways. Uh, give us a call, 410-662-8780, or drop us an email, midday at WIPR. Dot org. So, Damien, um, as a person in the business of food, you're very, very busy today, and uh, thank you for taking a little time out to chat with us. But what will you be doing for Thanksgiving tomorrow? Tomorrow, I'm going to my going to my cousin's house in Bowie, and uh, I'm going to bring a little bit of food, but I'm definitely not cooking the whole meal. I think <laughs> we're looking forward to, to doing some cooking together. Yeah, because you've been cooking the whole meal for a whole lot of folks in these last uh, <laughs> few weeks. I tried to get some biscuits to bring to the Thanksgiving feast that we're going to, and you were sold out. I couldn't get them. Oh, so, man. You know, next time. Next time I'm going to start earlier, you know? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and, John, how about you? You spend it relatively locally, right? You have a sister in near town. I do. I'm going up to my sister's in Marriott'sville. Um, I don't have to work for once in quite a long time, and I pretty much get to to relax. All, all I was in charge of was mincemeat pie and non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> There you go. You can handle that. I can. <laughs> but Gertrude's won't be open tomorrow. No, no. Yeah. And Damien, will will Black Sauce be back at the farmer's market on Saturday, the Saturday after Thanksgiving? Yes, we will. We, we will for sure. No work, no no rest for the weary, as they say. That's great. So, um, Damien, let me ask you about um, some of the things that were issues in the food business last year. Uh, one uh, concerns supply chain stuff. It was difficult to get ingredients. Um, we had inflation. Uh, things were costing more. Uh, how would you assess, you know, what, what things are available, the availability of things, the ease of getting them, uh, and the cost this year compared to last year? 
Well, I would say the costs have stabilized a little bit, but uh, they certainly have not gone back down to pre-pandemic costs. Uh, so that, you know, that's tough. And some of those costs, unfortunately, we have to pass on. So I feel like it makes our menu more expensive than it used to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm in terms of supply chain issues, uh, food is not the toughest thing for us to get. It's actually, I feel like, like paper goods and packaging compostables because so many more people do some version of carryout now that uh we're just competing with a lot more people to get the same materials wow that's interesting i hadn't thought about it but you know given the fact that during the pandemic everybody started doing takeout um john, exactly yeah that's interesting john how about you has the menu at gertrude had to you know uh, up their prices and and yeah. you know, are you are you having a similar experience to damien when it comes to getting stuff yeah absolutely um Obviously, prices are up everywhere. Anybody that goes to the grocery store, you know, is aware of that. So the only way that you can have a product is you have to price it accordingly. And so, yeah, the um, uh, some of the food prices have gone up. And there's also so many different costs that are a factor. You see restaurants that are doing service charges. Some are putting on charges for credit card fees. Um trying to do anything they can do so it makes the prices look a little bit lower. But um, as as Damien said, uh, paper goods, those kind of supplies are much more difficult to come by. All of a sudden, they'll be out of this, that, and the other thing. And uh, Kind of with no warning sometimes. Exactly. And so that that has been a challenge for sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, uh, the notion of whether Thanksgiving for the folks cooking at home is going to be more expensive or less expensive. Um, USA Today had an article on the 12th of November saying that it was going to be more expensive for a Thanksgiving meal this year. Five days later, they came out with an article saying it was going to be less expensive than last year. Uh, USA Today was the only one that I could find that said it was going to be more expensive. I found uh, reporting from NBC, CNN, Reuters, Financial Times, CNBC that says this year it's cheaper uh, for Thanksgiving. The White House even sent out a press release saying that uh, the cost of Thanksgiving is going to be way down uh, for holiday travel. Gas prices are down $1.70 from their peak. Airfares are down 13%. Car rental prices are down about 10%. And the American Farm Bureau says that the cost of a Thanksgiving dinner fell this year. But it's interesting how, because we got used to inflation, and as you say, Damien, it, it's not lower than it was pre-pandemic. So it just all seems higher. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but folks, uh, we would love to know what you are cooking for tomorrow, in addition to a turkey, if that's what you're doing. 410-662-8780, our email midday at WIPR.org. So Damien, is, does it the size of the turkey matter in terms of taste are the smaller turkeys in your in your reckoning uh you know more tender uh are they easier to cook because of their size i mean what's the difference between a 15 pound turkey and a 25 pound turkey in terms of taste do you think there is any i do uh but i think i think the difference is that the bigger the turkey the more difficult it is to get flavor into it and also the more difficult it is to cook it all the way through without it drying out. So it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's kind of, I, I would always rather do two small birds than one big bird. 
Oh, that's a good solution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can count on it. Just they they cook more evenly. I mean, John, uh, is that your experience as well? I mean, it's just, yeah. it is hard. These big birds. If you got if you're gonna have yeah. twenty people for Thanksgiving, they're, you, you they're gotta, tough. Yeah. They're tough. Um, I, I usually like, uh, as Damien said, I, I like to get like a smaller bird, like about 12, 16 pounds. And if you're going to have a whole bunch of people, just do two of them. Um, one year, um, you know, I, I, I work with um, a couple of different things, Springfield Farms. And uh, a couple of years ago, they just sent me over because I was getting my own turkey. They had one, I think it was 28 pounds. Ooh. Well, this was one of the most uh, difficult wranglings I ever had to do. I had the other side of a broomstick <laughs> picking the bird up out of the pan to get it out. So, yes, I would definitely suggest to people go for the smaller bird. And, again, as Damien said, it cooks all the way through much more evenly, and you're not drying everything out. Um, on the outside. Yeah, and Damien, do you have a, 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 a favorite way of preparing a turkey? I mean, there's so, just so many different ways. Um, if you were making one tomorrow, which, you know, thank God you don't have to, you can get half a day off. Um, do, do you have a favorite technique? Yeah, my, I have a new favorite every year, I think. Uh, I go from, I go in between frying turkeys and smoking turkeys. Mm -hmm. I like both of those things. But also, if I were going to have a small gathering uh i would actually probably just take the dark meat of the turkey uh brown it up really well season it brown it up really well and then kind of braise it in a turkey stock because i feel like that makes a really tender really flavorful end product it just doesn't look pretty on the table yeah it doesn't look like the turkey you know sitting there and then of course there's this uh, technique of spatchcocking yes a turkey yeah. so oh, yeah. you know I mean, John, how does spatchcocking work? I mean, well, that makes it cook faster. It makes it cook faster. You're, you're assembly, uh, essentially dissembling the uh, the turkey. Um, I had a chef that worked for me was from Croatia, and he's the first one that, that showed me that process of, you know, you're taking out the backbone and then you're cutting it kind of into pieces, essentially. And, um, you know, he would, he would sear it and then roast it that way, and it was very easy to, um, you know, to cut. Um, you could get beautiful, um, nice round uh, things of the breast meat and so forth and so on. Um, but it takes a little bit more work. But uh, my sister does that sometimes. And you got to know how to do it. I yeah. mean, you, you know, there are there are videos and whatnot that can. Yeah, show you get you on how. YouTube and yeah. find out right. <laughs> spatchcocking. Right. <laughs> you know, and Damien, I was interested. I was reading uh, a recipe in the New York Times about Thanksgiving dinner, and this is a chef who says uh, she's sick of making all these different side dishes, so she has a very simple menu for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, and she's having smaller crowds these days than usual. But she has a turkey, she has mashed potatoes, uh, roasted Brussels sprouts, and a little bit of stuffing. That's it. And nothing else. Hmm. Um, and, of course, that's plenty to eat for, you know, any normal day. But one of the things that she mentions, and I always forget this, um, <laughs> she says, after you cook the turkey, let it sit for 45 minutes before hmm. you cut it. That seems like a long time to me. What's What's your take on how long... After you've cooked it, you can uh, you can dig in. I agree with that. I think that uh, you know I don't I don't necessarily have it on a timer uh, as I'm letting it sit, but that time that the turkey is resting, it's kind of like the moisture inside that turkey redistributes itself throughout the meat, mm -hmm. and uh, I think you get a better final product that way. I also think 
it's just really tight if you try to carve it really really quickly after after cooking it so that time uh it just helps it under the knife and you can get nice even slices uh you, you're not tearing the skin so I, I like that advice. Yeah. And, and, you know, John, people have to show a little restraint then because, I mean, I guess once it comes out of the oven, you think, oh, my gosh, it's time to eat, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't know. And for me, it always comes out of the oven later than I thought it was going to. You it, know? it does that. I don't know how yeah. it always says it, but it always comes out later. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have that issue. I, I tent it. I put a little bit of aluminum foil mm-hmm. over it. I don't cover it, just tent it lightly and let it sit there for about you know 45 minutes or an hour that gives you the time to actually finish the gravy um while you're doing that you know you're taking the 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 juices the the roasting juices of the the turkey and putting that putting that all together before you carve it but you gotta you gotta work you gotta calculate that into your uh dinner time you You know it's not just when the turkey's done it's when you can actually cut the turkey and serve the turkey damien mosley is the chef and owner of black sauce kitchen john shields is the author of several cookbooks including the new chesapeake kitchen he's at gertrude's Chesapeake Kitchen at the BMA. We would love to hear from you. What are you cooking for Thanksgiving? What are you doing uh, for this wonderful holiday? 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wipr.org. We have Dottie on the line from Westminster. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the show. Hello? Hi, Dottie. You're on the air. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I have a question. I'm making modern Jaffrey. Actually, I made modern Jaffrey's cranberry um, chutney based on uh, Susan Sandberg's Sandberg's recommendation, and uh, she said she really loved that almost as much as her own uh, mother's cranberry sauce. So I used the recipe, but I found out that I did not have any garlic in the house. I had a little bit of very old garlic powder. Uh, the recipe called for three cloves of sliced garlic, and then and then you simmer that with the other ingredients before adding a can of whole cranberries. Um, I did everything, but I only had that garlic powder. So it's done, and I it doesn't have enough mm, to it. So I went to the store, bought a clove of garlic, and I wondered if there's any way I can add the garlic to the already made chutney without messing it up well that's a good question so damien uh let me let me have you take a stab at that one can you do it you know uh in stages here yeah i just just to uh clarify are you adding those sliced cloves of garlic raw or are you going to cook them in some kind of way well that's my question um the recipe calls for having you um Simmer the garlic along with ginger, vinegar, sugar, um, let me see, and cayenne. Just a little bit, you know, simmering it with a little to make the liquid uh, for 20 minutes, and then you add, uh, I mean, for 15 minutes, and then you add a can of whole cranberries, and then you simmer that for a while. So I had left out the garlic. Now, is there a way I can add it? Yeah, I, I definitely think there's a way you could add it. What I would probably do is just lightly poach the garlic in uh, either some additional, probably some, some additional liquid, whether your cranberry chutney's got uh, citrus in it or whether it's got vinegar or something like that. I would just lightly poach the garlic for a couple of minutes in that because if you add raw garlic, I think it's actually going to disturb the, the flavor of it as well as make it just a little bit different in terms of digesting it. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that call, Donnie. I appreciate it. Damien Mosley is the chef and owner of Black Sauce Kitchen. He's easy to find at the Waverly Farmers Market. It's the place with the huge line snaking around the grounds. We've got. They've also got a storefront on 29th Street in Remington. John Shields is here in Studio A. He's a chef and the author of several cookbooks, including the new Chesapeake Kitchen. He's also the host of Coastal Cooking and Chesapeake Bay Cooking on Maryland Public Television and PBS. And he is the proprietor of Gertrude's Chesapeake Kitchen at the Baltimore Museum of Art. We'll take more of your calls and comments when we come back from a quick break. 410-662-8780. That's our number, our email midday at WIPR.org. And by the way, a reminder that the Y of Central Maryland's annual Turkey Trot Charity 5K is happening again tomorrow. You can run it, you can walk it, you can enjoy it either way, and you'll help the Y provide services to folks throughout Central Maryland. They take place all through the state. We've got a link to sign up on our website, WIPR.org slash midday. It is midday. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. You're listening to Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WIPR. And welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. Coming up at this hour tomorrow, Turkey Confidential from NPR and The Splendid Table. And looking ahead to next week, on Monday, I'll speak with Dr. Joy Bolamwini, an AI equity expert. And on Tuesday, my guest will be Baltimore Police Commissioner Rich Worley. This will be, as far as we know, his first media appearance since being nominated to be the city's top cop last summer. So if you have a question or comment for the commissioner, drop us an email midday at WIPR.org. And if you're just joining us today here on Midday, it's our pre-Thanksgiving edition of What You Got Cooking. Chef John Shields of Gertrude's Chesapeake Kitchen and Chef Damian Mosley of Black Sauce Kitchen are here to take questions and comments and help you through any and all culinary quandaries ahead of tomorrow's celebration. To join our conversation, we're at 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wypr.org. Would love to hear from you. What side dishes are you serving with your turkey tomorrow? How many people are you cooking for? Are people contributing? Are you doing it all yourself? What time of day are you going to eat? That goes all over the map. Some people eat as early as 11 o'clock in the morning, I've heard. Others, you know, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7 o'clock, a regular dinner time. Would love to hear your Thanksgiving traditions. 410-662-8780 or email midday at WIPR.org. Let's go to the phones to Sarah in Mount Washington. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. So you have some sad news to share with us that I've just heard before we went on the air. Yeah, I do. Um, I am a vendor at the Waverly Farmers Market, so hi, John. Hi, Damien. Um, hey. And I, maybe both of them have already heard, but um, a big 
Thanksgiving tradition for me, obviously, is just working at the market, seeing the regulars with, like, their parents coming in, showing off, you know, the collard greens, the giant pumpkins, and taking that big haul home. Uh, And somebody that's been a very big part of the market for 40 entire years, uh, Mark Vernon Ray, uh, unfortunately passed away uh, this past Friday. Um, You could see him taking everybody's uh, tokens, food stamps, um, senior vouchers. He would have been the older gentleman turning those uh, pieces of paper into tokens that you can get food for. Um, He's been there for so long, he literally never missed a winter. Um, And I feel very thankful that, you know, he's turned that into such a big thing where everybody can come together and be in Baltimore together and um, everybody can participate um and yeah that's it he's a big part of um thanksgiving and watching people you know get all the food that they're gonna have for that meal for me just watching everybody gather it yeah so it's sad we won't be seeing him it is sad we won't be seeing him thank you for for sharing that uh difficult news and john uh shields you're on the board of the farmer's market yeah. uh, folks refer to you as the pope of the waverly <laughs> farmer's market because you're there every saturday um and that's usually when you and damien and i see each other yes. on saturday mornings mm-hmm. um uh, you know, uh, but Mark uh, was was a founder of it, uh, and he was a, a constant presence. He was, he was, and he's going to be so missed, so missed. You know, I've known Mark for you know, I guess almost thirty years, and just the a good friend and the nicest guy. And uh, I can't even right now imagine um, a Saturday market without Mark. Yeah. But he he did he radiated the holidays. He got. Thanksgiving uh, kicked off, and um, he he made you know the idea of a farmers market really part of so many Baltimore households and and stories over the years. So if there's something we need to be thankful for around here, we need to be thankful of Mark and everything yeah. that he did for our community. I think a lot of folks don't realize that there there is a board of directors who runs the Waverly Farmers Market. It's open 12 months a year. Uh, some of the other ones, you know, close during the winter, but not uh, not Waverly. Uh, mm-hmm. But you and and your fellow board members, I mean, have a lot of work to to organize that. Absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes when we see a farmer's market, we think, oh, just a bunch of farmers get up in the morning and they all come down to a parking lot and you have a farmer's market. Well, there's a lot to it. And there's a lot of coordination and regulations. And, and uh, we have a great board and we have a great guy who runs uh, the day-to-day operations for us. Well, uh, we will see everybody at the Waverly Farmers Market. I know I'll be there Saturday. I know I guess the Saturday after Thanksgiving is considerably different than the Saturday before. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a madhouse (laughs) before. Um, Let's go to the phones to Joyce, who's on the line in Baltimore. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to Midday with Damian Mosley and John Shields. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Uh, I just wanted to add a comment that I thank God for those people who can prepare uh, Thanksgiving dinners. I am not that person. My niece is having Thanksgiving dinner at her house, and she said, Auntie, you can't cook, so just buy the yams and bring them to me. So we have to know our lane and be able to stay in our lane. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. <laughs> Staying in your lane, Joyce. <laughs> so, Damien, what would you suggest in terms of how to how to prepare the yams or the sweet potatoes? And I've never been able to figure out what the difference is, but that's a discussion for a different day. But, uh, you know, there's Joyce staying in her lane and speaking to her strengths. <laughs> I would suggest uh, 
I would suggest roasting the sweet potatoes in their jackets. Uh, I feel like that's the very best way to bring the flavor out of them. Uh, now, if you're if you're making candied yams, you may need to uh, peel them and cut them first. But I can't even tell you how many how many sweet potatoes we roasted this week. And oh, one amazing thing about that is that they were actually all grown in Baltimore City down in uh, down in Curtis Bay. Oh, Baltimore the, City, right? Yeah, good. So uh, down at the down at the Farm Alliance. Uh, so so yeah. It's kind of amazing to get that produce from from right here in the same city that we live in. Um, and I feel like roasting sweet potatoes brings their sweetness out the best. And then you don't have to rely as much on sugar or molasses or maple or, or the other things that you would put in them. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And, of course, the Baltimore Farm Alliance run by our good friend Denzel Mitchell, uh, who works with you sometimes at, at Black Sauce. The sauce, uh, Damien, he's, he does a wonderful work with them. And, and John, when folks don't want to do uh, sort of traditional potatoes and stuff, you have a great recipe, which we'll put on our website, for uh, roasted butternut squash uh, with spicy onions. That sounds delicious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and like D- Damien was saying, you know, any of those kind of vegetables, like it was a sweet potato or butternut squash, roasting it brings out so so much uh, of the sugars, the natural sugars in it. And um, like our, our chef uh, Yolanda, who makes our soups, she just was roasting tons of uh, sweet potatoes and butternut squash and made this amazing soup. But but I love this. This is a great this um, Charlottetown Farm roasted butternut squash. Um, with spicy onions is a great uh, additional side dish, um, you know, that could take the place of too many potatoes or of sweet potatoes if you want it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's not so sweet, uh, good bit savory in it, and uh, and it looks absolutely beautiful on the table. Let's go to the Eastern Shore to George. Welcome to Midday and What You Got Cooking with John Shields and Damian Mosley. Great. Hey, thanks for... Uh for taking my call. Um, I grow collards and kale in my garden, a whole bunch of it, and usually we just steam it and then just add rice vinegar to it to pep it up a little, but I thought maybe the chefs might have uh, something else so we can add to it for Thanksgiving. We don't like salt, but any other herbs or spices that we could do to make it a little more interesting, we love it, but it needs to be pepped up. All right, so Damien, what do you think? How do you pep up some collards and kale? Oh, so many ways to do it. Uh, first of all, I, I think that's really smart to use rice vinegar, um, one of my favorite vinegars. I I would say that here we usually puree a bunch of aromatics uh, early in the week when we're going to do collard greens or kale. And those aromatics consist of generally uh, garlic, ginger, and lemongrass. So we, we also have a person who grows lemongrass that we get locally. Um, we puree those things with a little bit of canola oil, and we always start our greens with that. And then we also add vinegar, and then we generally finish our greens both with coconut milk and uh, pickled fish peppers. So generally, our, our vinegar is coming from our jars of pickled fish peppers. Uh, our greens can be a little spicy, for sure, and they're almost always vegan, which, which I love about them. Oh, boy, that sounds great. That sounds terrific, Damien. Well, thanks, uh, George, for that call. I appreciate it, and happy Thanksgiving. I hope you can pep up those collards and greens 
to your satisfaction. Let's try Stephanie. She's on the line from Baltimore. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. Hi. Good afternoon, Tom and your guests. How are you? We're doing great. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm calling because this is, I cook Thanksgiving every year, it seems. I used to be in retail and didn't have the liberty to travel because of Black Friday, and I love to cook, so I play in the kitchen all week, and I make an amazing turkey, which consists of a um, wet rub that goes under the skin, and I did that this morning, and then you let it sit overnight, and then tomorrow you do a dry rub, which is butter and a bunch of... Um, pepper, salt, celery, salt, thyme, and then my sweetheart, since we realize that the oven is not big enough every year, he uses the grill, and we cook it in a turkey pan on the grill, and it cooks a lot faster, and then, of course, you do let it sit after you bring it out, but it is super, super moist. Ooh, that sounds great. That sounds like an excellent way to do it, doesn't it? So, John, you know, there are a million different ways of doing it, but but, but prepping the turkey, I mean, you can go from nothing, you know, Mm -hmm. put some salt and pepper on it and throw it in the oven, or you can, you know, do butter and garlic and roulades and all that stuff. Yeah, there's so many things. I mean, obviously you can brine it um, ahead of time if you want, and that people, for a while that was a really big thing. Everybody was brining constantly and then kind of, not so much. Um, I, I I find that it it keeps it moist. You know that the meat is is more moist. Um, my grandmother, I mean, she she it was a similar thing. She always did a very very simple uh, technique of taking uh, butter, softened butter, and some herbs, and she would rub it all under the skin of the turkey and let let it sit for a while, and then she would just roast it. And it was always delicious. You know, sometimes simple is good. Yeah, keep it simple, as they say. All right, it's What You Got Cooking. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will have more with Chef John Shields of Gertrude's Chesapeake Kitchen at the Baltimore Museum of Art and Chef Damian Mosley of Black Sauce Kitchen. We need to let you go. You've got lots to do today uh, to <laughs> fill those millions and millions of orders that you've got uh, folks picking up this afternoon for their dinner tomorrow. So thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving, and I'll see you Saturday at the market. Sounds good, Tom. Thank you. See you, John. Happy Thanksgiving. And when we come back, it's midday with my mom. Rosemary Hall will join me to share her recipe for baked apricots. You can join us at 410-662-8780. You can send us an email midday at WIPR.org. I'm Tom Hall. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is 88.1 WIPR. And welcome back. I'm Tom Hall. It's midday, and if you're just joining us, it's the What You Got Cooking pre-Thanksgiving edition of our show. Chef John Shields of Gertrude's Chesapeake Kitchen is with us here in Studio A. We would love to hear from you. 410-662-8780. That's our number, our email, midday at WIPR.org. And now it is always a great pleasure to welcome my mom to the show. Every year at this on this uh, hallowed occasion, she joins us here on Midday. Hey, Mom, happy Thanksgiving. 
Happy Thanksgiving to you and to your wonderful guests and to your listening audience. And uh, I'm just delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, we're always delighted to have you. So you're in Virginia with uh, yes, your youngest son, Chip, uh, who played a very difficult uh, hand this year because there's five of us. And we all would love to have you uh, at our house for Thanksgiving. We live in five different states. But Chip uh, actually went to the trouble of having surgery last week to uh, to play the sympathy <laughs> card. And it worked, right? You said yes, you it, would go to it, his house. You're right. Every, everything worked out well. Thank you. Thank you. And you have I what? Have a, I have a recipe to share with you, Tom, that's really very easy and maybe not so much Thanksgiving, but Sometimes we overdo Thanksgiving with all kinds of side dishes. This is this is one your one of your listeners spoke earlier in the show. She was having uh, turkey stuffing and Brussels sprouts. Well, this is a turkey stuffing and an apricot casserole. Um, easy to make, very few ingredients. Uh, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of salt. Um, and I think it, I think it attracts uh, some flavor from the from the turkey. So yeah, would you? Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you do it? You you start with well, the... you get you get two one pound cans of of uh, apricots, and you'll use six tablespoons of butter, and two tablespoons of uh, brown sugar, and a couple of cups of crushed uh, pretzels. Uh, you mix the pretzels and the brown sugar and the butter and, and you pat it on the bottom uh, of the casserole, saving some. And you put your apricots on it and then you sprinkle what's left of the pretzels on top of the apricots. I cheat a little bit and uh, often will just spread a little, or sprinkle a little brown sugar on top of the apricots and crush some pecans. Uh, you don't have to do that, but I I sort of like it. Uh, very easy to do. Very few ingredients and uh, healthy, maybe. Yeah, and you uh, and you stick that in the oven for about how long? Uh, have oh twenty twenty five minutes to a half an hour, three fifty. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be ready and, to go. Sounds delicious. Well, I hope that your uh, listening audience will use it at some point, if not for Thanksgiving, but. Uh, I, I, I would like to know that they enjoyed it. Yeah, I bet and they will. Thanks for letting me share it. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. I always appreciate it. And uh, give a kiss to your uh, latest great-grandchild, Marlo, Certainly. who will I be will. with you at the table. Uh, and right. it's uh, great to talk to you and love you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you more. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. That's it. We're very competitive in our family. So, you know, I love my mother, but she loves me more, and that's great. Well, thank you to Rosemary for coming by. I know there are lots of folks who look forward to her showing up on the show. She will celebrate her 92nd birthday uh, in about a month, or a couple couple of weeks, actually. Um, So we are uh, just very blessed. Talk about being thankful. That's one of the things we're thankful for in our family is that our mom is, uh, you know, doing so well and uh, still doing wonderful things. Let's go to the phones to Phila, or Fila, who's in Baltimore. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. Yes, hi. Thanks so much for taking my call. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is going to be a little bit different. Um, I've been bringing the cranberry chutney to our family Thanksgiving for about 10 years, and I start with a basic joy of cooking recipe and then just embroider 
and I've done you know all different kinds of citruses, citrus peel, nuts, spices, you name it. This year, I've been thinking about going way out of the comfort zone, uh, going savory rather than sweet. And um, Old Bay and onions have been coming to mind. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. am I completely insane or could this work? Well, you may be insane, but uh, who's, who's, who's ever opposed to that for cooking, John? That's exactly. who, What do you think? Exactly. Huh? I mean, I think that could work with the, the cranberry chutney. I, I, the, the one thing that I would worry about just a little bit, you know, from the savory aspect, I don't think that you can go 100% savory because cranberries are so tart. Um, that mm. they can be unpleasantly tart. Um, so there needs to be a little bit of a component that will sweeten, even if it's not sugar. I mean, you could take um, orange juice or you could use an orange juice concentrate and put just a little bit in. But I think the idea of doing some um, uh, onions with it, maybe really thin, thinly sliced onions and a little bit of a little touch of the Old Bay for that kind of like uh, zing that it would put into it could be really cool. I've never tried it, but I think it's a great idea. I think Phil came up with a really nice idea. Absolutely. And Phil, and I think it's great. You know, you serve as a great paradigm for folks who uh, need to uh, perhaps you know, free themselves from the bounds of the recipes. You know, they take the recipe, take the basic idea, and then go to town. You know, we're all jazz musicians on a certain <laughs> level, and so improvise a little bit. So that's great. Well, thanks for the Thank call, Phila, and and uh, good luck with that dish. And uh, you know, if you put some old bay in there, that'll kind of Marylandize our uh, our Thanksgiving mm-hmm. meal. That's great. Well, thanks so much, and happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Lynn, who's on the line in Westminster. Lynn, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. Hi, hi, Tom. I, I, I always enjoy enjoy you, at Coral, Baltimore Choral Arts Society, the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, all, all music. So in the Baltimore region, um, I am calling because I just want. I'm listening to the show. We have a Thanksgiving t- tradition that is. This is not about food. My father graduated. We had an antique shop on Reisterstown Road for about 70 years that my grandfather started, and um, um. M- my father went to Forest Park High School, and he was in the vocational technical program. I have his yearbook when it was almost a new school. And he made, in, in metal, metal work, he made a knife, a big knife with a, and with a wrapped leather handle. And we used that to carve the Thanksgiving turkey every year. And, and, from, and I'm going to be 71 soon, but he used it before that. And... Um, um, I just I took it to a, a, a butcher shop once who was advertising a sharpener there, and the sharpener ran out um, and said, "I've never had sparks fly when I sharpened a knife before. How <laughs> old did you say this knife was?" I said, "My dad graduated from Forest Park High School in 1931, so it was before World War II when they used a lot of metals in America, and so all the metal work before World War II." Um, was of different metals. So there, there you go for a Thanksgiving meal. Oh, and how wonderful to you know cut the turkey and uh, you know be reminded of your dad. That's great. Well, thank you for that call. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be spending Thanksgiving uh, with my wife at our dear friend Chicky Grayson's house, uh, who is a graduate of Forest Park High School. Uh, Chicky and Susan and Susan and Susan are working away as we speak, uh, getting dinner together. I'm going to uh, contribute some roasted asparagus. Actually, I'm not doing a whole lot, but uh, Forest. Park will will play uh, a big role in my Thanksgiving 
uh, feast tomorrow as well. So, John, we have a, a note from Anne. This is a note that we get uh, from usually one or two listeners every year, and it's an important one. I'm never confident with making gravy. Would you provide some foolproof steps for flavorable gravy? And I'm with Anne. Uh, gravy terrifies me. People. Richard Simmons and gravy. Both of those things <laughs> terrify me on different levels and in different ways. I can understand that. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, the gravy, I, I love making gravy. I mean, it's like one of my favorite things because I love soups. So it's this whole idea of consistency and and flavor. Um, so there's a number of different ways to, to do this. Um, I generally start making a turkey stock like either a day or two before. And I'll just get some turkey uh, wings or whatever, and I brown them up with all kinds of vegetables, you know, um, you know, carrots and onions and celery, da da da, da and make a nice stock. And then I reduce that a little bit. Okay, and then you got turkey day, right? Um, so if you're going to roast the turkey, uh, you're generally going to have some um, some grease. Um, oil from from that. So I kind of take that off. That's going to be the the basis of my roux, you know, because basically you're making a roux. Um, So I put that, I take that off. I put that into kind of a a, a saucepan, get that nice and hot. And then I usually use like between one to two tablespoons of flour per cup. Just regular flour. Regular flour. Because I know I have a friend who's an excellent cook, makes wonderful turkeys, who yeah. has this special ingredient. He like imports it from Canada or something. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, so you can do that, but regular flour will work. I usually use the regular flour. I get it nice and hot. I put it in there and I'm cooking it and I stir it constantly. I'm whisking it constantly. And like you're making a gumbo. Mm-hmm. And I do it till it gets kind of rusty nail looking dark. Take it off the stove, and then I pour in the turkey stock and any of the essence or the goodness at the bottom of the pan that you roast it into that. Scrape it right off. Scrape it right out, right into there. I swear, only thing you need beyond that is like some salt and pepper. You need nothing else. And they always say, how did you do this? Well, the turkey did it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the flavor, that's where the, tur- that's, the flavor is. That's yeah, where it's the in flavor the turkey. comes from. Oh, yeah. That's good. Well, Ann, good luck. I'm with you because it's, it's, uh, it's intimidating to try to make gravy, especially if there are folks in your kitchen who really do know how to do it. Uh, Stacy, who's new to Baltimore, says, we're new and we don't have any family in the area, so my 13-year-old and I will spend Thanksgiving making and delivering meals for the Be Gaddy community organization. And tonight we're having a pre-Thanksgiving dinner with traditional Baltimore and Maryland foods, sauerkraut, turkey with oyster stuffing, and white potato pie. Well, Stacy, welcome to Baltimore, and we're glad that you're teaming up with the great folks at the Be Gaddy Community Organization. Um, we have an email from a listener who says, Our daughter wants goat instead of turkey because it's healthy. I only found frozen cubed meat at Wegmans. But she wanted a roast, so I guess I could marinate and do skewers with winter squash cubes and figs. I heard that goat is tricky, but it must be possible to cook tender since it's so widely eaten. I've never made goat. How about you, John? Yeah, well, goat. Yeah, goat. Absolutely. Goat is probably one of the most widely used meats in the world. Um, And yeah, I, I have found most of the time that I like it kind of braised. Um, you know, it can be because they don't, they don't like farm raised goats. Goats actually are out there walking all the time. And, uh, the muscle, the muscle in it can be a little bit much. And so, um, generally, 
uh, for the most part, I like to braise it. Um, you know, like the tenderloin of it, you could use that like in uh, in tacos or because that can be really nice and you cook that very, very quickly. And um, a lot of uh, the folks that work with me at, at um, um, Gertrude's are from El Salvador. And so I, I was introduced to goats quite a number of times when I would walk into the walk-in and see a whole goat in the walk-in. And so anyway, that brought me into the world of goats, and now I totally understand it. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds great. So, uh, you know, good luck uh, with your daughter and uh, the Thanksgiving goat. That's terrific. Um, so you also have a recipe that we're going to post on our website, John, for what to do with the leftovers. And you suggest a turkey panini. Yeah. Uh, in our last minute or so, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Our, our chef, um, Ed Knott, he always loves doing this. And um, very simple. You have you basically you have your your turkey. You want to get some cheese. You could use a Swiss cheese. I sometimes use like over Broom's Bloom at the market. I get their cheddar. I absolutely love that. So you're using that and that, and then you have leftover stuffing. Um, you have leftover gravy, and then you're taking some cranberry sauce and you mix it up with a little bit of mayonnaise. You're like making a cranberry aioli. You spread that all over the bread, like a sourdough bread or any white bread really would work. Nice, good quality. And um, and then, then you grill it and the cheese melts into it and you have all those flavors. That thing that we we always love the leftover package is all in one sandwich. Yeah, it's in one place there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's one-stop shopping. for. It's like a whole meal in one bite. You could probably throw a little sauerkraut in, too. I don't <laughs> think it would hurt at all. Because that is a Maryland thing, uh, the sauerkraut, to be sure. We've talked about that in years past. Um, tell me a little bit about Thelma's crab and artichoke dip. This is a, an appetizer, I guess, that you may want to start the meal with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so many people that go to Thanksgiving's, the idea is you get there early and you talk and you visit for like an hour or two before the meal comes together. So many people are assigned appetizers. And one of the iconic appetizers from around our thing is a crab uh, dip. And so Thelma, who is the wife of Jed Kirschbaum from the Baltimore Sun, she puts this dip together with artichoke hearts and it Yum. is Amazing. All right, we'll get it on our website. John Shields of Gertrude's Chesapeake Kitchen. Thank you so much, sir. Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate it. And happy Thanksgiving to you, Tom. And here and now is up next after news. And tomorrow at this hour, it's Turkey Confidential with a Splendid Table and NPR. Before we leave you today, a few words of thanks in this season of Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for the team I work with here at Midday. Our producers, Taria Rogers and Mallory Pinkard-Pierre, our director and engineer, Shania Mapson, and our director of operations, Luke Spicknell. Thanks also to our chief engineer, Ray Hepner, our assistant chief engineer, Megan Amos, our colleagues on the WIPR News team, our news partners at the Baltimore Banner, and our talented friends at WTMD. And I appreciate you, your questions, your comments, your perspective, your interest and concern and attention to what's going on locally, nationally, and internationally, your engagement with the issues and your openness to the panoply of ideas we explore on this show are an inspiration. Thank you for being part of the midday community of listeners. Every day, 
we cherish the opportunity you let us have to help shape in our small way the public conversation about our democracy, the challenges we face, and the things that enliven and illuminate our lives. That opportunity is a blessing and a gift. You are a blessing and a gift. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks. From all of us at WIPR, we wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. This is Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR.